2: Welcome to Horse Hour and today we only get the best for you you see because we know the best people in the industry and they're our friends and today I have Jason Webb, he's all the way from Australia but lives in the UK. He owns Australian Horse Training, is renowned in the UK as a really good natural horse trainer with a passion for starting young horses, solving equine problems and teaching riders of all abilities. Jason thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me.
2: Did I get all that right then? So is that is that, how would you describe yourself?
1: Yeah, I, I, it's pretty much right, but I, I, I tend to steer away from the natural horsemanship type banner. Okay. The reason is, is it's, it's taken on a, a life of its own natural horsemanship. And I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm more practically based and, you know, common sense type stuff it's it, is, it it is it evolves from the natural ideas, but it's becoming a bit of a label, and i don't particularly like the label, yeah, as it is now
2: because you do demonstrations all over the u k but there are so many different types, like you said of this natural horsemanship um but do you yeah. specialize in liberty
1: no i I mean I specialize in starting youngsters remedial horses. I, I have a horse that a few people may have seen that I do Liberty stuff with, mm-hmm. but it's it's just a bit of fun and it just helps, you know, to advance my own training and, and understanding. So, but most of the stuff I do is, is, you know, a lot of everyday riding and helping people through problems and that sort of thing.
2: That's really interesting because there are so many different types and you never really know as an equine rider or as an amateur horse person which one to go for because everyone says this is the rule like you've got to stick to Pirelli because Pirelli is the bible or you've got to go for Monty Roberts or you've got to go for Liberty but from what you're saying is you're just an all-round horse guy that has been taught from your family and through heritage of what works and so you just pass on what has worked for you.
1: Exactly and I you know I when I was when I was taught to train horses it it was more you know, here's some ideas, hmm. but you've got to use these ideas and and sort of make of it what you will, sort of thing. So you learn as you go along. It's all experience. I mean, yeah, it takes years and years, and I'm still learning. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's what it comes down to. And I've you know, I enjoy my, I love my horses, and I like you know, I compete a little bit. And
2: oh, what do you compete in?
1: Well, I play, I play polo cross, which is yeah, just a cross between polo and lacrosse just just for a bit of fun and that sort of thing it's just an amateur sport we just talk about doing that I've, I did it since I was a kid so and that's how I sort of got interested in horses I mean I was born and raised on the farm on a farm in Australia but you know that sort of competitive aspect of me made me think well how do I communicate with horses better and how can I improve my horse's performances and all this sort of thing it just started the questions and they haven't stopped <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't just, think they ever do stop do they? <laughs>
1: they really they really don't it's just yeah I, I'm just fascinated and I love understanding how things work and that sort of thing and I've I've come to realize that how would how I classify myself I would say I'm more of a teacher mm-hmm. than a than well I'm a horse trainer obviously but I look at it more as a teacher I wouldn't call myself a natural horseman I wouldn't call myself a dressage rider I wouldn't sort of pigeonhole myself like that because i'm not a i'm not discipline specific i don't jump into sort of this this group or that group i just it's just based on my experiences and you know i i read a lot and i you know and just play with ideas and just find what works for you that was the big big thing i was told you know here's it here's what works for me give it a try see if it works for you and you know I've, I've so i've done a lot of trial and error as you go along as we all have and um you know i've come up with a bit of a, an idea of how how things work for me and i'm now i'm now sharing that on a on a new website i have funnily enough
2: yeah go on what is it
1: <laughs> um, your horsemanship is um, i've done loads and loads of videos i've put it in a format which sort of shows the system of training that i use and that's worked for me and um, you know i'm just putting it out there and you know as a, as a means for this is this is is a way it's not the way it's a way
2: It's brilliant. I've had a look at the website and I've looked at some of your videos and it is fascinating to watch because, again, it's easier for us because we can then actually see what you're talking about. You quite often get it written down and and we don't understand what people are saying, you know, sit up straight. Well, I am sat up straight. Well, no, but don't curve your back. Well, I'm not curving my back, but yes, you are. So it's nice to actually see, you know see the things that you're explaining or our instructors are constantly telling us and we really don't have a clue what they mean
1: well one of the reasons I I did this is I I I've been I've I've been teaching you know horses training horses and that sort of thing but I'm dealing more and more with people as as I sort of start to go go along and I'm I end up teaching the same lesson over and over again Mm. and I just thought you know if people could could sort of you know have a lesson or whatever and then go home and then because you only ever when you go for a lesson you only ever take on sort of 60 percent of of what you're taught if you if you're good so you know if you can go home and then look over things and then pick up the other 40 percent then you know you're more likely to next time you come in for me to teach you something new and that's you know i just want to see people progressing and and horses progressing and so people can have fun yeah
2: how many horses have you got now
1: we I have about thirty, I suppose on wow. the farm not 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 me personally i've got maybe eight maybe ten, yeah if I count my kids' horses my wife's horse <laughs> my <laughs> horse and the old mare that you know yeah serve i've got I've got quite a few
2: and yeah. one that's the most popular is called diesel
1: yeah he's he's my sort of show horse he's um I take him to your horse live and mm-hmm. And events like that, and do little little bits with him. He's he's quite a lucky horse. He started off as a stallion, and um, I don't know he just didn't quite fit the mould of what people do over here. Although now he's become popular, which is Sod's Law. Uh, <laughs> I, had him, I had him castrated anyway, so I so I could socialise him and get him Aww. get him in. But um, what breed is he? He's Australian stock horse. He's beautiful. I imported his mother over. <gasps> wow. Yeah, and he was born in this country, so he is. He's English, I suppose.
2: That must have cost you a fortune getting her all the way over from Australia.
1: Yeah, when I when I first came over, I had grand plans of um, starting up an Australian stock horse stud. Okay, but you know, breeding in this country is very difficult. I Mm. found, and um, you know, and to be honest, my passion did. You know, although I'd love to breed some horses, and I'd like to do it again someday. You know, my passion sort of went into training, and I spent a lot of time there. So. And then Diesel has always been mine, and, you know, I spend, when I get time, and this is a problem I find with my horses, is, um, you know, poor old Diesel, I, you know, I've got this show coming up, so I rush around for sort of a, a few weeks before, and I dress him up and do a little bit with him, and then he comes and does the show, and then he goes back out in the paddock because I'm busy working with other horses. So, yeah. you know, he's. I'd love to spend more time, but, you know, as, as things are at the moment, you know, it's on everybody else's, it seems
2: what, what are the traits of an Australian stock horse? Because I've never seen one before.
1: Um, well, they're, they're, they're small horses. They're sort of range between sort of 14, 3 to sort of 16 hands. And they're, they're stock horses, so they're, they're agile, pretty hardy mm-hmm. and very trainable. That's what I liked about them. They're, they're sort of easy horses to sort of teach and that sort of thing. So, yeah.
2: So when you're demonstrating then, what is your piece de resistance of diesel?
1: Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, like I say, this is where, you know, people might say that I train right. liberty. I don't really. I play with it a little bit and mm-hmm. do it when I can. So I do a bit of liberty, some people like that. And, you know, he's he's a bit of a character, Diesel. I wouldn't say he's, uh, he's the easiest of horses or the, you know, he's not trained to a T. He just... He'll go in and he always rolls in an arena. <laughs> so I can take him in. I can do a little session. I can take the saddle off, and I guarantee you, if he's in an arena, he'll just lay down and roll. So that, and, and that came. I was teaching him to lay down and taught him to lay down a few times, and he just lay down and lay down. He just give himself a little scratch, and then he started rolling. And I, I was I was laughing. I said, hey, you know, have a look at this. He's having a roll, and that habit stuck with him ever since. He just every time he. <laughs> This goes in and so people like that. Um, bowing, you know, you will pick up a hat in his teeth and little little things, but you know, it's whatever fits you. Really.
2: How did you get him to bow? Because I have been trying for so long to get my horse to bow, and I, I mean, I even to the extent that I've bent my legs and put my head down and had carrots and done everything, and, and you make it look so easy.
1: I, I was a bit lucky with Diesel because he's a bit greedy, <laughs> so you know, with some. Some, some of these sort of tricks you can you can teach by tapping or bumping in certain places and they horse just reacts and then you can sort of give them a rub and they learn that way. But I just found Diesel, if I picked his leg up and made him follow his, follow his nose down between his legs, yeah. he just went down. He ah. was pretty easy to teach. Everyone says, wow, horse bowing. I think, well, <laughs> you only knew how easy it was to teach. Well, some not all horses are that easy, but he was, yeah. Very food orientated on that one.
2: <laughs> so, going on to the behavioural things that you that you look after as well. Then, so you help solve behavioural issues.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get I get horses come into me whereby you know they might have started rearing or bucking or you know running away and all that sort of you know those the big the big three. And even on the ground, we get horses that are sort of just really pushy. You know, they to the point where basically the owners become scared. They, yeah. they just get worried and, and um, it's just out of their sort of skill set, I suppose, so they send the horse to me, and I try and manage it and you know show the horse another way to to deal with a, a situation which they might see as you know rearing might be the situation. Well, I try and turn that rear into a my big movement is moving the back legs Cause oh, you can, if you can move your horse's back legs and keep them moving, then rearing doesn't happen. And if they stay in gait, bucking and, and that sort of thing doesn't happen either. And if, they're, if you can move the back legs to the side, they can't run away either. So you just can diffuse that situation. And from there, you start to gain some confidence and and help the horse to find another option. It takes a while to teach some horses because obviously if they've got a bad habit, mm. habits aren't changed overnight, as we know. So you've got to just keep chipping away at it for, for a time. And after a while, I feel confident in the horse. Then I take the rider and teach them or handler and show them how to manage situations and then we sort of gel the two together and hopefully on they go that's brilliant because
2: a lot of people do send their horses off to be fixed as they call it um and then they get them back and they have no idea what they've done they just hope to have this miracle horse that's perfect but they don't
1: know how to handle it do you know i used to i used to think that was how it would happen when i first started this you know, so I thought, right? Give me the horse. Let me sort it out. Yeah, okay. We we got it going, and hand it back, and you know, there you go. The fixed horse. You know, look at me. But it, <laughs> it it just doesn't work like that. And in you know, in the years I've been doing this, it's a real, you know, you've got to develop a partnership because a lot of problems come from, you know, a horse doing something which may may not have been too bad, but it's created a, a fear or anxiety in the rider, and therefore they're not. They, they lose their confidence, and when you're not confident with horses, then horses start to doubt you, and then doubt themselves, and then suddenly it's all you know getting back to instinctive behaviour, which is flight behaviour and, and all this sort of thing. So, or fight behaviour in some some cases. So, yeah, it's it's important to to spend a bit of time with the rider.
2: A psychologist said to me once, "It's fight or flight, freeze or faint for humans." I quite often have the freeze and faint. <laughs> you lose your confidence. I stop breathing.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, horses do exactly that as well. I, I, you know, if I'm going to the letter of the law, it's it's fight, flight, or freeze. They're the three Fs that, that horses will do, and humans do it as well. You know, you just, you know, you'll see a horse standing there, and you'll think, oh, this is fine. You know, this horse is fine to get on, and I'll look at the horse, and I'll think, I would not be getting on that horse right now because it's just frozen. But the moment it unlocks, it's in a pure flight state. It's going to erupt. And I've, I've, you know, I've had a few people been on the receiving end of you know not not spotting that
2: wow. so so the basis yeah. then is um learning as a as an owner or as a rider how to be able to read your horse
1: really important yeah I think um you know I, I do get a few comments like um you know d- just did that out of nowhere it just suddenly started bucking I'm thinking I haven't seen a horse just suddenly do that there's always a few little signs and this and that you know if you look at the ears particularly they'll I'll tell you you know head carriage all the, you know just little little details that, that give you an inclination as to where your horse is at so yeah it's a, it's something that people really should and you know this is what I this is the knowledge I try and impart
2: is there anything that you've looked back on and thought oh, man I really screwed up with that like I shouldn't have done that or are there any mistakes that you made that you've that have kind of helped you now
1: yeah, yeah, there's been, you know, yeah. You, you look back and you think from where you were to where you are and even sometimes you have, in, in the moment, you you react a certain way and, and at the time it's just, it's, it's it's instinctive. You just think, you know, crikey, this horse has done this, so I'm going to do that. And you think, ah, oh, you know what, if I had gone the other way, if I had done that, it would have been better. But, you know, you just got to roll with it a little bit, especially when you're dealing with horses that can be a little bit awkward. Yeah, I mean...
2: You can't get it right every time.
1: Nobody can. I mean, you know, doing what I do, just to keep safe, you've got to sort of go through a process and understand what you're doing, but, you know, you just don't get it right. Sometimes horses come along and make you go, oh, my goodness, Mm. what do I do here? And then that's where you learn. You're in that state of, okay, this is happening, so we need to go back and look at that. Or, actually, if I go down there, you know. And I I do find, you know, some rides are not so good and I – I take stock all the time. I reflect, which is a really important part of training horses and also teaching yourself. You need to take stock of things and sort of take a step back and go, yep, yeah, okay, where we go. So, yeah, That's I've tough, done that. Yeah. I'm, I'm always doing that.
2: And then your wife says, for goodness sake, Jason, stop bringing the crazy ones in. Go and work in Tesco's 9 to 5 and be safe.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm not getting any younger. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will be it'll be, it'll be it'll be, nice to have another one. I don't know, you know. You, I, I just like it. I sort of get up in the morning and go down, and there's a bit of a challenge there. And you know, I, I think it's funny because I get horses in, and when I think they're safe and I'm, the owners are going all right, you know, I get a big sense of satisfaction out of that. But if they get too quiet and they're around, they're with me for too long, I'm saying, "Is that horse not going home yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's ready to go." You know, they can bring on the next challenge. Oh. Sort of, I'm still in. I'm still in that sort of frame. But funnily enough, I'm. I'd like to train on a bit further than because I specialise in the starting side and the the remedial side. So I'm I'm really good at at that area. But there's just so much more of the top end of training, which I'd like to just understand more and be better at. And, you know, I think knowing that's going to help me be even better at doing what I'm doing now and that sort of thing. So there's plenty plenty of room for improvement and new challenges to take on.
2: (laughs) So you're at Your Horse Live this weekend. Yep. And that's one of the demonstrations that you do. You do it every year, and you go all around the country doing clinics?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, well, I've, I've got a family, so I, I tend to be careful about, you know, how far away and all that stuff sort of thing I go. I do, some of the big trainers around, they, they, they do a lot of travelling, and I, I do quite a bit, but I like to try and keep it at home. But yeah. I do a couple of shows every year, Your Horse Live and... I think they do a total confidence live. And there's a few others around I do some demonstrations. But, um, yeah, just just to put it out there and see what people think.
2: It's quite tough for you as well, though, putting yourself out there because you, you're very honest in saying, you know, I'm learning all the time. Um, yeah. But when you're in front of that many people and on such a regular basis, you're going to get yourself, your fair share of criticism. And how do you deal with that?
1: Well, that, that is an interesting question. Yeah, I do, you know. You know, I, I'm always I'm one for you know if you if you're having a good go at it, well then good for you. But there are people out there that, you know, they either like you or they hate you, I and mean, you just think you know well, what have I done to deserve this? But mm. I've just I've I've learned, and it's been you know if you do get criticism, you take it personally, and it is quite stressful. But um, I've learned that you know if you put yourself in the public domain, then some people are going to like you, some people aren't, and you just I've just got to accept that, and you know. It is tricky in the internet age, I have to say. It's sort of. Oh, it's a nightmare.
2: You, know, you get the, They're called the haters and the trolls. And I just think they just go along the internet trying to find things to hate.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I, I just yeah. think it, surely there's, there's more constructive ways to uh, get your point across. But, you know, they are there. And I've just, especially over the last couple of years, I've, I've started to, you know, people have had opinions about this method of training or that method of training and you don't do this and you don't do that and I've just said right okay well here I am and I'm prepared to put myself out there and have a chat about it and you know learn more yeah you know so that's all I can do really
2: And that's a very sensible way to look at it and leave leave everybody else to their own
1: I just but don't let it get you down no, no, no. It's, it's all good. It's all good.
2: Because there's more people that like you than don't. So, that's well, like, the way
1: yeah. Well, like I say, I've been I've been in business for you know doing this job now for oh, Crikeys. It's been ten, eleven years now. What? My wife just said fifteen. <laughs> like, oh, really? Fifteen
2: long years.
1: Yeah. yeah, it has been. So, you know, I've been I've been at it for a while now, and you know, if you. are if you're not pleasing a few people then you, you pretty quickly find yourself out of business. So yeah, I'm 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 pleased with the way things are going.
2: So what can we look forward to um at your horse live then?
1: Wow Are you gonna share um, your
2: secrets, Jason? Come on.
1: I've got a couple of twins out of Headley Britannia, mm-hmm. which she was a she was a quite Lucinda a... Fredericks. Did you hear that again? Oh
2: yeah, Lucinda Fredericks horse. Nice.
1: She won a lot in the eventing circles. And so they're coming up. I've just started them and they're on their So when I start horses, I do four weeks, I give them a little break, and then I do another two weeks. So they're they're in their their second two weeks or their fifth and sixth week of training. And so we're gonna bring them up for a bit of experience at your horse live and just go through how you settle a horse down, you know, when they come into a new environment and just offer some tips and stuff about connection and rhythm and and um, I think that'll be interesting for that from a ridden point of view. And then the
2: how old are these babies? Three and a half,
1: four, I think.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you said twins, I was expecting like two little foals.
1: No, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, they're they, they're embryos out of out of Lucinda's old mare, and um, yeah, no, they're they're being started. Okay, so they're being done. ridden now. Yeah, yeah. So they just 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 learned to be ridden and we're just going to take them for a bit of an outing. So it'll be just the, the two of the demonstrations will we, we'll be around getting horses to settle in a new environment. And from my point of view, what you need to have as a rider and what to look for in your horse. So we're going to go through that. And then I'm going to sort of bring out the old boy. Diesel's going to come out and we're going to going to do a few challenges with diesel on sunday so that that should be fun i'm looking forward to that i'm not gonna give too much away but yeah i'm I'm gonna get the crowd to maybe offer up some ideas and challenges for me to to try and do with diesel so Oh, awesome!
2: So they can start thinking already. Then nothing too tricky, though. And as long as it involves food, you'll be fine. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. So it's got. It's, yeah. If it's well, if it's any skill set, I'll give it a go. Or even if it's not, I'll 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 have a bit of a look at it. But you know, obviously, we can throw a bit of liberty stuff, a bit of riding. Maybe depending on how Diesel is, if he's being you know, <laughs> he's ha- ha- having a good day, we might take the bridle off and see if we can do a do a little challenge yeah. without without a bridle. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, wow. but. Amazing. Either way, it's fun. so
2: we could be looking on YouTube on Monday for when horses go bad, and Diesel yeah. jumping
1: in, <laughs> He's getting tossed off the side. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. But, but it'll probably get more hits than anything else I've ever done. <laughs>
2: yeah. It'd be great. And then, do you have any rules that you stick to when dealing with horses?
1: Well, I can give a general bit of advice. Perfect. I have a process. So to have process, you need understanding So and confidence. You know, believe in what you want to do. And it's amazing how far that will take you, those two things. I mean, it, the process obviously requires a bit of understanding and finding out how and why. And then practice to get confident. And then, you know, if you do those things, which requires a bit of work, Mm-hmm. you'll progress and you'll be amazed at what you can achieve
2: thanks so much
1: that's really good advice i like that
2: yeah <laughs> with the confidence thinking i'm thinking add on the end just keep going keep going keep yeah, going
1: yeah, <laughs> that's what it is you know persistence does pay sometimes but you've got to have that process to to sort of back it up if you're just going in sort of being persistent with the wrong thing then funnily enough you end up with the wrong thing at the end <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
2: Where can we find you Jason I know you're on Twitter What's your Twitter name
1: At your horsemanship but I'm also, I'm on Twitter, there's also Oz Horsemanship, which is my other one.
2: Okay, so at Oz Horsemanship and at Y Horsemanship is how we can get you on Twitter. And yeah. if we if we want to come and see you, we need your help and go, hey, you know what, my horse is completely screwed and I need you to save me, Jason.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: what's your website address again?
1: Australian Horse Training.
2: AustralianHorseTraining.co.uk. Yeah. And we'll be cheering for you from the sides of uh, your horse live this weekend.
1: Thanks, Amy. Come and say hello
2: i will thank you speak to you soon all right take care and now on to my next guest rosa she's a senior lecturer in equine behavior and nutrition at Rittle college in essex she specializes in behavior in welfare and in nutrition and on top of that rosa's conducted research on social behavior environmental enrichment learning behavior ethical training methods to reduce stress and stereotypes welcome rosa
3: Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, thanks for joining us.
2: It's, we asked you to come on because for us as amateur riders and horse owners, whether you've owned a horse since you were four years old or whether you're my age and you're 30 and I've only had a horse for a few years, nutrition and that's connected to behaviour is is a minefield. There's so much to choose from.
3: It is. It's very confusing. The market's had such a boom recently over the last sort of 10, 20 years and there's just so much choice now available that it has become very confusing.
2: Well, you've got Denji, Bailey, Saracen, Equus, Triumph, Highgain. The list is endless. Those are just the brands, though. So what we'd like to learn, I guess, is how to break those brands and the marketing that they portray down to what do our horses actually need and what do we need to look out for?
3: Yes, that's the important thing is always to think about What is the horse designed to eat and what should I be feeding it for optimum health and performance at the end of the day? Because that's what we all want from our horses is for them to be happy, healthy and giving their best as much as possible.
2: So some would say that a horse's main diet should be grass and they should be out on the grass all the time and that's all they need. The wild, I'm from the New Forest and and so many times I have friends who don't have horses that say, why can't you just leave him out in the forest and he can eat what he wants? And and I try and explain to them, one, because we spoil them (laughs) because they're (laughs) our pets as well as our... But, but also because it's like us, our bodies, we look after them. Our bodies are our temples and we need to look after our horses insides as well as their outsides. The difficult thing is knowing what's right for your horse. So if we go to the basics then... What do we need to be looking for? The very, very minimal basics do we need to be offering our horses? The very
3: basics. We really need to think about what the horse is, have a look at their digestive system, and see what they've evolved to eat. And if we look at the horse, we talk about them being a hindgut fermenter, which means that they ferment food in their large intestine, basically. That compromises about 60% of their whole digestive system. So you can almost play a bit of a... Di- sort of detective game if you like and Mm -hmm. by looking at that we can see we look at their teeth we know that they're a herbivore we know that they're designed to eat a really high fiber diet and that is what we should be focusing on so high fiber diet means all your forages so your grasses your haze haylage Alfalfa is now a very popular kind of feed to give as well. And really, that should form the basis of any horse's diet. And if sort of a typical rule of thumb, if you can go for a 100% forage diet, then your horse is going to be at its best health-wise, um, however, that's not always ideal for a performance horse because performance horses need some fast release energy. They need kind of like the Lucozade in their world mm-hmm. and like human athletes do. And aid for horses is really where we start introducing those cereal feeds. Um, but for any horse, what is really recommended throughout the industry and what all the sort of nutrition researchers globally have tried to determine is that all horses should have a minimum of a 50% fibre-based diet, if possible.
2: And when you mean fibre, okay, what are you talking about with fibre? <laughs>
3: so fibre is kind of, we're told to eat lots of fibre. It's that roughage. It's the bulky feeds. So fibre-based feeds would be grass, hay, haylage, any of your chaffs, so Mm -hmm. straw-based chaff, um, the alfalfas, so things that Denji and Simple Systems specialize in is very high-fiber feeds. Um, But most of your feed companies now will sell some form of high fiber feed and so that is really the forage based feeds that we're looking at and a lot of people are now looking at hay replacers so those bricks that you can buy oh yeah um any I sort of like, short chops.
2: don't they yeah. mean that they take a longer time to eat them because they're condensed into or is it not do they just
3: yeah i think they're a great idea. It's it's promoting knowledge that horses need to be having more fiber. Um, a brick is a different way of feeding that to the horse. So it's something like a bit new for them. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just basically a solid block of chaff almost. So sort of short chopped fiber that we're looking at. Um, and some horses, it will take them a long time to eat. And other horses, they learn quite quickly the best way to eat them. <laughs> it's a bit like those salt licks um, ah. and other sort of lickable items. Some horses devour them in seconds, and other horses will take a lot longer to eat them so there's lots of methods that we can use to try and slow that down that eating as well
2: so that's what we're trying to do because I was going to say does it matter how quickly a horse eats i've seen a few that literally just gorge their food as soon as they get it and some have choked a few times because they eat it too quickly so for them i guess a brick would be better because it'd be teaching them to eat a little bit slower
3: It could be, unless you've got one of those horses that literally bites a massive chunk off it and tries to swallow it as quickly as possible. (laughs) I haven't come across it, but I did have a horse who used to do that with salt licks, literally just bite it like an apple rather than lick it. So it, it depends on that horse and how much they really want it. So to answer your first question, really, horses are trickle feeders and everyone hears this, they're trickle grazers. What does that actually mean? It's really, again, how the horse is designed to eat and is little and often, but not with a meal. So we're very used to eating meals throughout the day. We have breakfast, lunch and dinner. Some mm-hmm. people snack in between. And we tend to emulate that with our animals, with our pets as well. And most horses will get a breakfast, maybe a dinner. They'll get a morning hay net, an mm-hmm. evening hay net, perhaps a lunch hay net. But the ideal way is to always have some kind of food available for them and preferably something like hay or grass. Um, But that's not always possible because, A, it's an expensive way to feed. Not everyone has turnout for their horses. um, And not everyone can be up at the yard all the time to make sure that they top (laughs) their horse's hay net up. So it, it can be very difficult. But there are methods that we can use to try and slow down But how our horse, or how quickly our horse is eating that feed. So most people will be aware of all the different hay nets that are available, um, slow feeders. There's a lot of information on on the internet, and there's a lot of products that you can buy to sort of help you achieve that.
2: Great, because throughout the winter, I remember when when my horse was stabled. Now he's out in the field, so 24/7. So for me, it's so much easier because he can eat all day every day as much as he wants within reason yeah. um, <laughs> and but when he was stable they used to really struggle because I'd give him a hay net uh, throughout the thick of the winter I'd give him two hay nets to kind of keep his okay. gut working but again you can't control what if they're gone within a few hours you can't be there at one o'clock in the morning to give him more hay so I guess the the bricks might help then
3: yes the bricks might help then anything that can kind of prolong that feeding time because that's actually the worst thing most people don't know how long a hay net actually lasts the horse and if you measure it it's obviously that depends on how much you put in your hay net um, soaked hay horses can eat that quicker than dry hay because they oh. don't need to lubricate it as much and a lot of people are soaking hay now because we know um, especially for unfortunately we have a rather a largely obese population of horses and mm-hmm. Everyone's so much more on the ball with that and we know that one of the best things to do is to reduce the sugar content of our hay, which we can do by soaking that hay. So then it's already wet um, and your horse doesn't need to produce as much saliva so they can actually consume it a little bit quicker.
2: So we've got, um, we need a high fibre diet for them. Yes. mostly forage if possible mm-hmm. and as few sugars too yeah so at what point then do you need to start looking at nuts and and extra things if you if the foraging isn't enough when do we need to start looking at the extra additives
3: OK, the extra additives, well, they come in really when you start looking at horses that have a higher workload. So for any horse who's what we would call on a maintenance ration, that means you've got a horse who is technically a field ornament. They might be on box rest. They're not really doing any kind of workload. Um, they are horses that don't really need anything extra beyond just sort of 100% grass and hay. Mm -hmm. some horses in light work so that might be A lot of um, everyday horse owners who ride their horse perhaps most days of the week, hacking, a bit of schooling, perhaps an hour a day, your horse is probably in light work. And that might even include the old competition or pleasure ride that you're doing at the weekend. And even some of those horses can survive quite well, especially our native breeds. They're our good doers. They're the ones that literally look at grass and put weight on (laughs) without having to consume any of it. Mm -hmm. And then at the opposite end, you've got your thoroughbreds, um, those horses that kind of almost fret off energy before you've even asked them to do anything because they're a little bit more highly strung and they tend to expend that energy just through sort of their general everyday being and, and stressing about life a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> when you need to add some extra food in, is really helping horses maintain their weight. And wintertime is when people start to want to add a little bit more to their horse's feed. This is the time where all the feed companies get very busy. Um, all their nutrition hotlines are ringing because people are starting to notice perhaps the horse isn't maintaining that weight. It's getting a bit colder. Mm-hmm. We're clipping. We're rugging. We're changing a lot of our routines as well. Um, and some people actually even ride less in the winter because we all know what a fair weather <laughs> rider is. And <laughs> it's more difficult. We don't all have a floodlit riding school no, to ride it. Exactly. So it does get a bit harder but adding extra food in is is really if your horse hasn't got enough energy to complete mm-hmm. the work that you're asking of them. They're not maintaining weight. They're not gaining muscle. And and we add in these things like nuts and cereals, not only for energy. We might be adding them in because we're looking at a horse who's building muscle. Um, oh, okay. We're looking at a young growing horse. Yeah. So in, in those sort of nuts and cereals, so coarse mixes, nuts, pellets – Pencils, cubes, whatever you want to call them. They're they're all there's so many of them nowadays. Um they're really designed for those horses that need a bit extra. So you might be competing a horse a bit more regularly, you might be in a sort of medium advanced workload, so competition horses doing one day events, three day events, race horses, and also our breeding horses too. So Mares and foals, mares in that last trimester of pregnancy, so the last three months of her pregnancy really, and when she's given birth, she has a really high energy demand. Um, And like these young growing horses, as well as needing all their energy for growth, they need a lot of protein for building all their new tissues. So Mm. protein is kind of the building blocks of the body, if you like. And that's where sometimes grass just doesn't provide enough and hay doesn't provide enough.
2: So protein, in my naive head, I would have thought you got from meat, but obviously they're herbivores, they're not carnivores. So that's why you've got to add in the protein into their diet without giving them meat.
3: That's right. So protein comes from all sources. And it's really, really important to remember that protein is not really an energy source. So protein, although it can provide calories, is not what we should be providing or giving our horses to make them or to give them enough energy so Mm. protein is really there to build muscle so if you've got a young horse or a horse you're bringing into work they need to build muscle you can feed them all sorts of things um, such as alfalfa Um, peas are really high in protein and you'll notice these sort of flat little green discs that you find in a coarse mix yeah that's what we call a micronized pea oh wow yeah it's a pea that's been cooked and flattened basically um similar to like the cornflakes that you see in there so there's always different processing techniques in the feed industry that sort of cook foods process foods to sort of maximize nutrient availability so that our horses can digest them more efficiently and get the most from eating those foods
2: so could you just give your horse some green peas that we get from the shop or do
3: they have you to should, be close? You, you might not want to get on his back because he might go absolutely <laughs> crazy with you. <laughs> oh, really? They send them a bit Dilally. They peas can do, yeah. If if you overfeed protein, that can also have a bit of a, a fizzing effect on horses. A little bit like oats. Mm. Well, a lot of people say that oats are heating, and that's very true because they're digested very quickly. It's almost like instant energy for horses. Um, And that can make them go a little bit crazy too.
2: Because there's some other foods that that you can't give them, like potatoes, because potato has starch in it. Is that correct?
3: Uh, Starch is good for horses in terms of giving them energy, but potato starch is not safe. There are certain um, foods that horses can't tolerate. A little bit like we have allergens. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people are celiac, they can't tolerate gluten, wheat things like that. Horses are the same in that they can't tolerate certain foods unless they've been processed. And potatoes is one of those ones that we just don't really feed to horses.
2: Yeah. What other ones do we need, really need to avoid? Oh, Only avoid. because, I, again, family, you know, they come down. I'm sure you have it. Everyone mm. has it. They family. They're like, oh, you know, I've, I've got a sausage here. I thought the horse would want it. I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not a dog. <laughs> he is yeah. a horse. You know, what, what in terms of vegetables? Because I also get a lot of gifts of old vegetables where people have been chopping up their roast lunch
0: (laughs) and they bring in
2: bags going this is for blackjack and it will have parsnips in there and carrots and broccoli and then it'll have potatoes and i'm like oh no i can't use that so so potatoes is a massive no-no what else is there
3: potatoes is a massive no-no especially raw they have what we call anti-nutritional factors in them which can actually cause a big upset to your horse's um body system a little bit most of us will be quite aware of um, all these probiotic drinks and yogurt drinks that Mm -hmm. are available or for humans, um, and they're also very important for horses. Not that you need to go and feed your horses <laughs> yogurt drinks. <but laughs> this, this whole point of horses fermenting fibre in their hindgut, which is what we talk about sort of in the nutrition world, is really that hindgut is full of bacteria, protozoa, little microbes, these little organisms that go around and basically do the job of digesting food for the horse that the horse is unable to break down. So similar to us, if we eat grass, we can't actually digest it, Mm. but we have healthy bacteria and they can help digest that. Your horse has an enormous population of healthy bacteria that are really fundamental to how well he can digest his food and absorb his nutrients. So we need to keep those very healthy as much as possible. Um, So other foods that the horse shouldn't eat, That are uncooked are things like linseed. Um, A lot of people are familiar with having to boil linseed um, before we give it to the horse, and that's because it has cyanotic properties, a little bit like cyanide, so it's Mm -hmm. toxic and poisonous if we feed it whole. I think we can tolerate it better than horses can, though. Vegetables is a tough one because there isn't really a massive list of gives and don't gives parsnips carrots most root vegetables are quite safe i know a lot of people who'd feed their horses swedes um and they can be quite a good boredom breaker if you hang a swede on a string and your horse has to try and sort of get hold of it and and break it down a lot of fruits are quite safe as well is it
2: true that the apple the pips in the apple have cyanide in them as well
3: yes they do but you'd have to feed an awful lot of them to poison your horse.
2: So an apple a day is okay?
3: An apple a day should be absolutely fine and it's very unlikely that your horse can actually digest those pips. If you mash those pips up and fed them to your horse then that would release the cyanide but I'm pretty sure if, if you check at the other end they'll come out in one piece. <laughs> I'd rather not check I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> okay
2: so then, then moving on to the the supplements let's start with dispelling some myths because I often hear My horse is chewing on a fence. It's chewing on some wood all the time. Does that mean it needs nutrients?
3: Okay. Why do horses chew wood? It could be for a whole variety of reasons. And this, again, links back to the fibre issue. Because if you imagine, um, if you just... uh, say a milkshake, it might give you all the nutrients you need, but it wouldn't really fill you up very much. So we like to eat and feel full and satisfied. And horses, it's the same thing for them. The problem is for them, it's all about being that trickle feeder. And most horses should actually eat for about 16 to 20 hours a day. That's constantly grazing. Mm. And that is hours and hours and hours. And I think most of you will agree that a stabled horse, unless they've given ad lib hay they don't really have that opportunity to be eating all the time Mm -hmm. so what happens is they get a full stomach and then it empties out and then they want to eat more and if there's nothing for them to eat in terms of hay they might graduate onto their bedding if there's no bedding they might graduate onto trying to eat whatever else is there now you're asking about horses who are perhaps outside and are chewing their fencing and again it could be a boredom factor It Mm -hmm. could be that there's not enough grazing for them. And it could even be more serious implications for that um, and possibly linked to gastric ulcers, which is basically causes quite a lot of stomach ache in horses. And they often will try and eat more fibrous components um, because that helps to release a bit more saliva, which helps to sort of settle the stomach, if you like. What's in horse saliva is almost like a a natural um, sort of antacid and it helps to calm the stomach down. So, how would you know if it's got an ulcer?
2: Or is it so it's
3: difficult that's, that's to.? That's where we need our vets to come in. And, yeah. and vets are great because obviously they have so many technologies, so much more knowledge than everyday horse owners do. And they have the ability to investigate some of these problems. So, if you have a horse who's perhaps been chewing wood persistently, then some horses potentially, the research has shown they might ingest up to one and a half kilos of splinters. <gasps> Wow. And if you've looked at a horse's digestive system in, in the real, it's um obviously it's very smelly and it's huge and <laughs> it's slimy and everything like that that you'd expect it to be, but it's also quite fine and a lot of those splinters going through that, that's quite scary to see. So You need to be in touch with your vet and you need to ask your vet to perhaps come and investigate and diagnose that. And what they'll do is they'll probably sedate your horse and insert an endoscope, Mm -hmm. which is basically um, a really long bit of cable with a camera on the end of it. And they can go down and they can actually look inside the horse's stomach um, and they can see if there's any ulceration on the lining of the horse's stomach. And they'll actually grade it in severity as well.
2: I guess you can tell how your horse is doing by their behaviour when you've been giving them certain food. So some horses, I know that Frisians tend to struggle with um, alpha A oil. That sends them crazy. Am I right in thinking that?
3: Um, it's not something that I've heard, actually. And, and I would always recommend something like alpha A oil for horses that need a bit of extra energy, but calm energy.
1: Mm.
2: Oh, no,
3: this one went Mental.
2: Really? Yeah, it might just have been him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it might have been. Um, but ideally, something like Alpha A is great. It's, it's a really high-energy fibre source. Um, it's also got really good levels of protein, really good levels of calcium and phosphorus. So it, it's ideal for horses that are young, that are growing, that are looking at developing muscle. Some horses can't tolerate it very well mm-hmm. um, and don't digest it too well. And other horses you'll find that we supplement them with that bit of oil because it's it's packing in a load of extra calories. So fat is way more energy dense than, than our carbohydrates are. Um, but it's a much safer source for feeding horses. And it, it feeds calm energy. And that's something that everyone really struggles to comprehend because everyone thinks fat makes horses fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to feed cereals. That's the stuff that gives them energy. They both give energy, but they give different types of energy. So if you're looking for giving your horse a little bit more oomph, a little bit more sort of buzz and energy, then that's where you want to feed your cereals. But if you've got a horse who perhaps does go a little bit crazy, but is also needing a bit more energy to get through the work you're asking of him, that's where you might want to feed something like alpha-A oil or add some extra vegetable oil or cod liver oil or linseed oil on, on top of the feed that you're giving him.
2: Oh well, wow. and so it's okay to give them actual oil because there's different yeah. types, isn't there? There's like, I know that uh, Denji do a, a feed where it's it's actually got oil already in it, so you don't need extra oil. But if that's you, the alpha A oil. That's the alpha that's A. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then you can just buy a bottle and just give them a spoonful.
3: Yeah, and that's there's fine. loads of oils on the market. There's sort of the super tax called Liver Oil range. There's soya oils. They're very popular nowadays and that's what a lot of the feed companies are adding. Soya oil, rapeseed oil. Most vegetable oils are quite well tolerated. Sunflower oil. Um, The tastiest one for horses is actually corn oil. So made from like maize or sweet corn. Mm -hmm. That seems to have a a really high yummy factor for horses. (laughs) They'll, They'll actually eat a little bit more of that than they would of other oils. But you have to introduce it quite gradually um, because it it doesn't taste that great, most of us probably don't like drinking a spoonful of oil. And it's the same for horses. They love sweet stuff much more than they do enjoy sort of savoury. Mm. Um, so if you do want to start adding oil, just start adding it very gradually and, and build it up. But you shouldn't really include more than about 10% of their overall diet. That would be a maximum, and, and that's for horses who are working quite hard.
2: Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> so another myth, Rosa, is that you should never feed your horse more than the size of a rugby ball, size of a meal.
3: Is that that correct? Is that the kind of thing we need to be standing by? Yes, definitely. Horses are absolutely huge. And I've already said that their digestive systems are absolutely enormous. But their stomach is actually relatively small um, and it is... Technically, most people say about the size of a rugby ball, and it can't stretch that much. We all know how uncomfortable it is if we've overeaten, (laughs) and it's the same for a horse. That's where you start seeing signs of colic, which is basically stomach ache for horses. Um, And horses can't vomit either, so that that's no myth. Horses have like a one-way tube, basically at the end of their esophagus. There's a little valve that lets food into the stomach, and that's it. Once it's in, it can't come out again. So you shouldn't feed too much. Um, With hay nets, it's a little bit differently. Because if you think about your horse eating a hay net, Mm -hmm. they eat the hay very slowly. Mm. So they're trickle feeding. But if you offer your horse a big bowl full of nuts or mix, then that's the sort of stuff that they like to eat a bit faster because it's very tasty. And it goes down the hatch a lot quicker and it, it fills that stomach up too quickly. Um, your horse will keep eating so people might say but my horse can eat more than a rugby ball's Mm. worth of dinner and that's fine yes your horse will but unfortunately he starts pushing it into the rest of his digestive system a little bit too quickly which means he's not going to digest it as well and you're actually going to be wasting money and feed um, by giving your horse too much because he won't digest it so well which means he won't use those nutrients as well
2: and you're going to be hurting your horse. So yes. technically, it's like a child. You keep feeding the child sweets and the child's going to eat it. And it's the same with the horse. But we all know that overweight horses is really serious.
3: It's a very serious issue. Yeah, obesity is definitely on the increase. And if you look at the Blue Cross, they did their National Equine Health Survey um, on an annual basis. And for over the last three years, the number of obese horses reported through that survey is is almost doubling every year which is quite scary is it that our horses are getting fatter and fatter or what I'm hoping is that people are just becoming more aware and being able to recognize obesity in their horses and sometimes it's hard for people to admit Mm. that their horse is overweight and and that's the first step really is is recognizing your horse is overweight and then taking the right steps to manage that horse's problem
2: so if, if you're thinking now your horse is overweight, what would you recommend is the first thing that they do?
3: First thing you need to do is actually try and accurately weigh your horse. And that's not easy because not all of us have a horse size scales or a weigh bridge no. because they're quite an expensive piece of kit.
2: Yeah, we've just got one of these rope pieces,
3: tape measures. Yeah, a weigh you tape. Tie- yeah. So weigh tapes, you can get hold of those anywhere, your local tax shop, your feed room. Vets might even be able to sell them to you um they're okay but they're not very accurate and unfortunately a lot of the studies are showing that some of them might be even up to 50 or 60 kilograms out wow and that's a lot when you're looking at your average horse weighing 500 kilos and when you're relying on that weight to tell you how much worm to dose your horse with how much to feed it and trying to monitor if they've lost weight they're really not helpful enough they're better than nothing there are lots of other methods available that perhaps people aren't that aware of Um, and perhaps just doing a quick internet search you'll suddenly become a bit more aware there's some equations that you can do that involve measuring the length of your horse, um, the circumference around his girth area. And you can literally do some simple calculations uh, and it comes out with a weight in kilograms. And even for those of you that are very mass phobic, <laughs> <Yeah, that's> me. <laughs> it's, it's not hard. It's really not that hard. You just need a little bit of a calculator and everyone's got one of those on their phones now. But better still, the gold standard is that weighbridge. And if you're on a yard with more than 10 horses, most food companies, certainly Bailey's and Denji, I know, will actually come out to you with a portable weighbridge and will weigh your horses. And they don't charge for that kind of service Yeah, They're quite
2: good, aren't they? So they they come along. A yard I was at did exactly the same, actually. They came down, put the weighbridge out, and then just one horse at a time went on. And then they helped you say what feed would be right for your horse whatever the weight is what the breed is and you almost get that
3: one-on-one bespoke nutrition advice exactly And, and most of these companies have phone lines now as well and it really is worth phoning them and you shouldn't ever feel silly about not knowing what to feed your horse because there are there's just so much choice now of what you could be feeding and there's specialist feeds there's there's a feed for almost every discipline there's a feed for lots of different digestive disorders and sort of laminitis problems metabolic issues that horses are suffering from that it can become really confusing because most people just want the best for their horse
1: yes yeah
3: and, and, and hope that by feeding something to their horse that they might make it a better jumper or go faster <laughs> but it, it's not always that simple and you might be doing more harm than good so if you're not sure i would definitely recommend that you phone one of those phone numbers on on the food company website and they'll give you a lot of help and we'll follow through that with you as well
2: oh great because it is you're right it is so confusing you never you never know i have a horse that he just needs to look at the grass and he puts on weight and I don't even know where it comes from and you know his behavior changes all the time and he's not even being fed anything it's just the grass (laughs) so um because we never know like you know I'm not experienced most people I've had a horse for three years but I'm still learning so much I remember when I first got my horse and I said well what am I supposed to feed him and somebody just said well it was quite good advice actually it was uh Bailey's balancer because he was young and Hi-fi light,
0: perfect.
2: Yeah, it's ideal. But had somebody not told me that, I wouldn't have had a clue what to feed because exactly you've got. i you know, I then learned about molasses free and how you don't really want high sugar. But then you've got good sugar and you've got bad sugar. And and my my logical brain says, well, if molasses are bad for horses, why don't they just take them out of all the feeds?
3: because then they probably wouldn't sell as many feeds because molasses is, is it's like sprinkling sugar on your cereal. Without the yeah. sugar, it doesn't taste that nice. Mm-hmm. And that molasses, for most feeds, it is really just that bit that makes your horse go, oh, I like this. Now, if your horse is eating that feed, you're like, oh, I'm going to buy more of that. If your horse doesn't eat that food, you're not going to buy it again, are you? And mostly it is about making it that bit tastier. Sometimes it's also about just binding those feeds, so making sure they stick together, that there's no crumbly dusty bits at the bottom of the bag as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like just a, a little industry bit of Industry nasty. trick. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not a trick. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a tradition though, and we've always fed molasses to horses, and a lot of people perhaps are more suspicious of molasses-free feeds because it's not what we've always done. And of so the equine industry is steeped in tradition yeah and we we don't always question methods we just go with the flow because that's what we've always done and why change something
2: that's really interesting you should say that because I was talking to Matt Waterworth who's an expert on bits and that was last week and he said exactly the same because we were talking about um, stainless steel bits and a warmer metal bit like a like a golden or a copper bit mm-hmm. and he said the warmer metals are it's good for some horses and I said why don't they just make them all in copper then and he said because we're steeped in tradition and we're used to the stainless steel so actually it is it does seem to be following a pattern where let's not try and fix what isn't broken
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: But actually, are molasses bad for the horses? Or is it just a buzzword now where people are going, like we go with our hair? Oh, it's free from parabens and it's free from sulfates and it doesn't have any sulfides in it. Is that the same for horses now where we're saying, well, it's free from molasses, but actually it doesn't make a difference?
3: Um, Free from molasses would actually be the preferable way to go. Horses really don't tolerate sugar that well. They're not designed to consume it in such large quantities. And a sugar-free diet is, is going to help prevent obesity. It's going to help your horse stay calmer. Sugar is the thing that sends horses over the edge. And I have a lot of people that say to me, oh, I can't feed my horse sugar beet. Mm-hmm. because," it, And it's slightly misnamed. And, and sugar beet is actually the end product of a crop It looks a little bit like a, a big white turnip or parsnip almost. Um, we extract the sugar from that for human use. And then that, that by-product, the pulp, if you like, is what's left over. And that's what goes into making sugar beet. And as I said, it's white. But most of us know sugar beet looking sort of dark grey, black. Mm-hmm. That's because it's had molasses added to it.
0: Oh, so wow. traditionally,
3: yeah, sugar beet is actually sort of whitish grey. But most of us will feed it molass because, again, it makes it more palatable for us. It's a bit tastier. And gives them that little bit extra. But sugar beet is again a really great feed to give to horses to keep them full, to give them energy without giving them that sort of crazy heating energy that sends them a little bit over the edge. So for your, your not so good doers,
2: I don't mm. want to say bad doers because they're not
3: bad. No, poor doers. Poor doers. Poor, doers. poor doers.
2: Um, then that like your thoroughbreds that freeze in the winter and your arabs that need that extra heat and the four rugs plus yeah. them um, and <laughs> sugar beet would be good for them speedy beet Then the difference between is that just the amount of time that it takes because you have to put them in water don't you, you have to soak the sugar beet yeah. is the speedy beet the same but just quicker
3: yeah, basically speedy beet is slightly differently processed. So It's been shredded rather than in big cubes, and that just means that it soaks quicker and it's safe to feed your horse because with sugar beet cubes, you're ideally meant to soak them for 24 hours before you feed them so that they swell up um, and that we don't have any intestinal problems when the horse starts to digest them. If you feed them unsoaked, then you're going to cause all sorts of internal chaos for your poor horse, um, which might end up in colic and having to pull the vet out. So... Always make sure that you soak sugar beet before you feed it. There should be very clear instructions on the feed bag.
2: One more question. Um, Friendly Eventing says, her horse loves ginger nut biscuits. (laughs) But is chocolate okay?
3: (laughs) Um, No, (laughs) not really. I'm sure your horse loves ginger nut biscuits because, again, they're they're tasty and full of sugar and probably the same reasons that we love them. Um, And I'm sure the odd one won't harm your horse too much, but... A little bit of something is probably not going to cause devastating consequences, but we shouldn't really be feeding our horses chocolate. We should look at what they would naturally eat uh, and really limit it to that. And a lot of things aren't natural for horses. Even cereals aren't natural for horses, but they cope, they, they adapt, and they can tolerate small amounts of them. So... Ideally, avoid things like chocolate. Um, I've <laughs> known people, sort of just fizzy drinks, um, instant noodles, things like that. Um, oh, my horse tried it and he loved it. Oh, yes, but it doesn't no. mean it's good for him, unfortunately. No, I'm not surprised, really. No, and actually, you're probably going to cause some upset stomachs and you might not notice the effects straight away. But if you keep feeding your horse little bits of this, that and the other that, they shouldn't really be eating. And you know they shouldn't be eating.
2: Yeah. Uh, I guess just, the important just, just thing is, is, is you know, don't spoil them because actually you're not helping them at all by spoiling them. You You can love them, but if you love them, then feed them what's good for them to keep them healthy.
3: That's right. And by spoiling them, you're... You're either killing them with kindness because you're feeding them things they don't want. Like, there's, We all know someone who gives the horse an extra scoop of mix because it was really good on this hack today or <laughs> he schooled really nicely. I'm going to give him a, an extra treat. Your horse has no idea that he's got an extra scoop or that it was because He did a really nice half pass for you in the arena earlier. You're much better to give that horse an extra five minutes groom, a nice scratch on his withers, something like that. He'll appreciate much more than you overloading his system with sugar and giving him stomach ache basically. So try, try not to do that Um, and try not to spoil them with too many tidbits because you're just going to get a horse who gets quite greedy, starts to bite you because he's wanting those tidbits all the time. Again, It's something that's easy, and we like to please our horses. Um, We think our horses love us more when we give them lots of little tidbits as well, but they'll love you even more if you (laughs) give them a really nice scratch in their itchy spots.
2: Can you give, Rosa, one one piece of advice then? um, If someone's unsure if their horse is underweight or overweight, they're not sure, they see their horse every day, and they're just not sure, what would you say? Obviously, we can't. We don't have a weigh scale. um, Yeah. But you know, how can you tell from the outside, from just glancing and looking, how can you tell if they might have a weight issue either way?
3: That's a really good question. And there's a whole system out there called body condition scoring. It was designed back in the 70s, the 80s. And if you look on, again, most fee company websites, if you look on the charity websites like World Horse Welfare, the Blue Cross, they all have these body condition scoring charts or fat scoring charts. And they're really to, to help you identify whether a horse is underweight, overweight or in the ideal condition. Um, There's pictures on there to help you assess it. And you're looking at sort of seven different areas. You're looking over the neck, the back, the ribs, the shoulders, over the buttocks as well. And there's lots of guidelines on there to help you understand um, and, and try and fit your horse into one of those scores, which will tell you if your horse is underweight or overweight. And then sort of linking back to knowing your horse's weight, if you're trying to get your horse to gain weight or to lose weight, That's why you need to know the weight of that horse, because sometimes on the outside, we might not see much in terms of change. Um, And we certainly know from research that overweight horses, um, body conditions score the same before and after losing weight. So externally, Mm. you might look at that horse and go, gosh, it hasn't lost any weight. But when we weigh them, they have. And that's because all you're seeing is the fat that's under the skin and you're not seeing all the fat that's around the horse's organs, which might be what they lose first. So you have to try and use those two methods together. So some form of weighing or weight assessment and body condition scoring.
2: And what, what websites were they? There was the, the World Horse World Welfare. Horse
3: welfare. The Blue Cross, Red Wings probably have one as well. Um, All your feed companies will have information there on how to body condition score. There are huge campaigns out there at the moment to try and increase owner awareness about horse obesity. Obviously, we're all aware of um, those stories of emaciated horses that look very thin, but people don't necessarily realise what a welfare issue is to let horses get incredibly fat. And people are now being prosecuted for that. So trying to... Uh, increase your own awareness and and have that knowledge and understanding and be able to identify that your horse is perhaps a bit overweight is really important and it's your responsibility as an owner and to your horse as well
2: and it's okay to ask for help that's important too people don't mind you know that all these people are out here to help you and just pick up the phone and say look I'm slightly concerned or I just need a bit of advice what do you think or I've been thinking about feeding him this conditioner what do you think everyone's there to help
3: Definitely. And there are so many fees. Conditioning fees, balances are all the rage now. There are millions of supplements on the market that all claim to do this, that and the other for your horse. But it really is worth asking your vet, asking your riding instructor asking a graduate that you know who's been to university and studied nutrition (laughs) phoning those nutrition helplines because they just want to help Um, and everyone at the end of the day wants the best for horses and they're not all going to try and sell you something Um, and they really do have a lot of knowledge too that they're very willing to share with you.
2: Rosa it's been fascinating thank you so much thank you very much for having me I feel a bit cheeky like I've had a lecture without having to pay to go to college so <laughs> you're welcome I'm really grateful thank you if people are interested in Rital College where do they need to go
3: Please have a look at our main college website, which is rittle.ac.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and we have our Facebook pages. Not only the Rittle College Facebook page, but also we've got Lordships Stud where you can follow all the antics of our young horses, our stallions and our mares. You can follow our breeding season. Um, There's lots of pictures on there and things that the students are getting up to as well. And if you want to contact me personally and ask me any more about perhaps coming to study at RITL on any of our programmes, whether it's equine behaviour, equine performance and business management or equine sports therapy and rehabilitation, my contact details are all on the equine pages on that rental college website and we'd love to see you at an open day as well
2: oh yeah the open day would be awesome even if you just got something or or, or something that rosa said today and you thought actually that has totally fitted in with what i'm going through with my horse send rosa a little message and say hey it worked thanks so much (laughs)
3: that'd be great i'd love to hear some success stories
2: thanks rosa i'll speak to you soon Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget you can share your stories, talk about your charity, your business or your event at hashtag Horse Hour on Twitter. It's every Monday. All you got to do is include the hashtag Horse Hour in your tweet and that's between 8pm and 9pm UK time. Speak to you next week.